Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Jacques Daniel here with Bridget Garapentine. We're here in the beautiful Chancery uh, building of the Diocese of Rapid City, downtown Rapid City. Have uh, had a full morning. Some yeah, amazing, really beautiful conversations. Some amazing guests, some amazing coffee. Um, and uh, we're just going to keep rolling. So we, uh, we're here, here. I want to introduce uh, Maggie Hange who is the um, Policy and Public Relations Associate for the Minnesota Catholic Conference. I'll let, Maggie, I'll let you introduce yourself a little more. Thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be with you. As you noted, I'm the Policy and Public Relations Associate for the Minnesota Catholic Conference, so here in Minnesota working on behalf of our state's bishops to shape legislation towards the common good. Fantastic. And it sounds like there are some big opportunities coming up for Minnesota's listening, Minnesotans listening this morning. Can you talk a little bit more about the precinct caucuses on uh, February 27th? Yeah, of course. So February 27th, just a week from today, starting at 7 o'clock at your local precinct caucus. There will be both a GOP and a DFL precinct caucus held across the state to um, consider the party platform resolutions, elect precinct chairs, elect delegates to represent precincts at the party conventions. So you can go to our website to find more about where your precinct caucus is. But we know that many Catholics feel a sense of political homelessness. No party seems to advance a consistent ethic of life um, and doesn't quite line up with everything that the church teaches and believes. But this is just a great way for Catholics to be able to get in the mix from the very beginning and have a chance to make their voice heard. So what happens at a precinct caucus is the people who attend can bring policies forward that we suggest um, support the common good and human dignity, and then your local caucus would be voting on that and talking about those a little bit, and if they get voted favorably, they could advance. Um, and this is just a great way to start small with your local community and potentially influence the um, party platform at a state level. So there's a couple of big bills coming up that the Minnesota Catholic Conference is keeping an eye on, one of them being infertility legislation. It sounds like that would be a good thing, but not in this case. Uh, can you explain more? Yeah, of course. So there is a bill, um, it's SF-1704 for those who are interested, and it would mandate that insurance plans cover infer controversial infertility services. So these are things like in vitro fertilization, the freezing of embryos and the like. And we are opposed to this, for, this bill for a number of reasons and this idea for a number of reasons. Of course, we have a great heart for those who suffer from infertility. One study I saw recently noted that about 10% of both men and women, I think it was 9 for men and 11% for women, um, suffer the impacts of infertility, and that's just a very heavy cross to bear, and we understand that. But what engaging in these services would do is undermine the natural family by creating children through scientific means. So... We view it as not um, promoting the flourishing of human beings and of how God 
created our family to be created and to grow. And when we enter into the fertility world, we start to see a culture of death emerge. Again, as you mentioned, it might sound good on the surface. We have people who are, you know, suffering this heartache and they want kids and um, how can they fulfill this desire that they have. But, for example, there, if you go through the process of IVF, there might be many embryos created, maybe up to 20, and you're likely not going to implant all 20 embryos into the female. So what do you do with those other 18 or 19 embryos? You might freeze them for later. That doesn't seem very dignified. You might discard them. That certainly isn't dignified. So what it creates is even more ethical um, problems surrounding how to manage it. And then another piece is creating so-called designer babies, tantamount to modern-day eugenics. Mm-hmm. Do you want a boy or girl, blonde hair, brown hair, etc. cetera? So um, I could keep talking about this, but there just is a lot of, um, issues that it creates and another key piece that I just want to mention is that it could normalize surrogacy which if anyone saw Pope Francis's um, recent comments he commented on surrogacy in January noting it as exploitative and deplorable um, and he had some excellent things to say on the subject and why we should be opposing surrogacy yeah, so things- this is Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, things get uh, get tricky real fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even, even on the surface, what seems like a, a good and helpful and um, charitable uh, way to help families and individuals struggling with infertility, you start throwing on layers of, of uh, challenges and difficulties, and things get sticky fast. Mm-hmm. Right. And we always want to promote a better vision of the good. So we mm-hmm. want to be able to help people address the infertility that they mm-hmm. might be suffering with, but in an ethical way that they can bring children into this world. You know, there's adoption and other options that they yeah. can look at. Fantastic. Uh, there's another bill, which is a good one. Um, there baby items sales tax, tax exemption bill. What? Uh, tell us more about that and if uh, Catholics should support that. Yeah, this is a great bill. We have, um, this bill came out of our family's first project, and we are in full support of it and hope that Catholics across the state are in support of it as well. In a small way, it could lift some of, at least some of the economic burden on new and growing families. So if any of um, the listeners have had children recently or grandchildren, you know that the products that you need when you bring your first baby into the home are not cheap. A crib might cost $200. A car seat could be the same. Um, and you need so many things to be able to welcome that baby safely. So what this bill would do would be eliminate the state sales tax on a variety of those necessary items. Um, if you just look at kind of some basics of what they would cost, generally they'd add up to around $1,200 or likely more um, based on the products that would be exempt under this bill. And the sales tax you would save on that is about $130. So not a huge amount, but if you're living paycheck to paycheck or even just trying to maintain a budget, this is a really helpful piece. Um, If you can save $130 across these items, that can maybe be used to buy 
a safer car seat instead of purchasing something on Facebook Marketplace because these items have expiration dates, safety concerns, etc. So it helps parents be able to hopefully buy the best for their baby and ease that economic burden just a little bit. If uh, an individual is looking for more information or to become better educated on these topics, where would you direct them? Yeah, we have a website, mncatholic.org. We encourage people to, all the listeners, to visit our website. In the corner, you can hit the Take Action button, and you can act on this fertility insurance mandate that I mentioned, on the baby items mandate. Um, But then right on the homepage, you can also... Uh, subscribe to our Catholic Advocacy Network. With this, we deliver bi-weekly newsletters and pressing action alerts right to your inbox. So you can go take action at any point, but if a bill is getting heard in committee or um, being moved to the floor or has any action on it, we'll send you an alert. All you have to do is take a few clicks, and you have a message being sent to your legislator right on these issues. And um, sometimes you can add in your own story and make it what you want, or you can just send in the alert we already have created. So we try to make it really easy for people to be able to get in contact with their legislators and hear what's going on at the Capitol. Yeah, that's fantastic. It looks like uh, mncatholic.org, and, uh, and you even have information about the um, precinct caucus uh, happening a week from today that we were talking about and all sorts of uh, ways for them to get connected. That looks fantastic. Yeah, Maddie, exactly. thank you. I mean, yeah, mncatholic.org slash caucus is um, where you'll find all that information on the precinct caucus. Is, go ahead. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners today regarding the upcoming uh, caucuses? No, I think it's great. They can um, go online and find their precinct location. And we have our resolutions some sample resolutions right on our website that they can look at based on um, physicians-assisted suicide, gender, education, families. So we have a variety of them that people can look at. And otherwise, I just encourage people to subscribe to our Catholic Advocacy Network, and we'll keep you updated on all these opportunities that are coming your way during election season and legislative session. Fantastic. Maggie, thank you so much. And uh, we uh, hope that, yeah, continue this great work for the people of Minnesota. And uh, for those of you listening on Real Presence Live, we are going to take a short break and we're going to jump back on with uh, Michael Pauly from the South Dakota Catholic Conference. So we're going to get our share of uh, political information this morning and encouragement to engage in in uh, helping to make the, the world a better place for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Maggie. Yeah, we, thank you for having me. Yep, have a good day. Uh, again, uh, join us on the other side of the break for Real Presence Live in just a moment. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. 
Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. How do you know when someone may be contemplating suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. This person will often exhibit certain warning signs, indicators such as their talk, like killing themselves or having no purpose in life, their behavior, like drug abuse, withdrawal from others, or abnormal sleep patterns, or their mood, like being depressed or having anxiety, can all be warning signs. So mental health professionals are now encouraging you to engage in dialogue with those who appear to be at risk. By talking openly about suicide, asking if they are okay, and listening to their feelings, you may save their life. To find out more, please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Did you know you can listen to Real Presence Live anytime on any podcast platform? Just search for Real Presence Radio on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on the Real Presence Radio website. Then subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating so other people can find us as well. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Jacques Daniel, here with Bridget Grappentine in the beautiful Chancery Building, downtown Rapid City. Thank you for joining us today. We've had a, a full morning with some beautiful conversations. We're going to keep mm-hmm. on rolling. We just heard from the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and uh, now it's time to hear from the South Dakota Catholic Conference. So we have Michael Polly on the line. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Jacques. How are you doing? Yeah, I got uh, almost a full cup of coffee in me and uh, <laughs> and uh, ready for whatever the day brings. You just never know. Yeah. I did the same thing. I never, I never go on air without coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, I know you've been on uh, uh, RPR before, but just for uh, those who might be new, uh, explain. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at the South Dakota Catholic Conference. Sure, sure. Well, I serve as executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference, and uh, we are basically the ambassador of the Catholic Church in South Dakota in the public square. Uh, so uh, we represent the, uh, the bishops of this state uh, on matters before the legislature. And so uh, this time of year, uh, I pretty much spend all my time uh, in Pierre. My, my uh, normal office is there at the uh, Diocese of Rapid City Chancery, where you're broadcasting from today. But as I like to say, this time of year, my, my office there gathers dust because I'm in Pierre <laughs> most of the time. So, but um, yeah, very, uh, very interesting uh, session that we're having this year. 
Yeah, I think you have a hypersensitive um, motion detector switch because every time I walk by your office, I see the light on. I think, oh, maybe Michael's in there, but no, <laughs> empty office. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's just my ghost haunting the office there. Yeah. <laughs> well, Michael, last week we talked about House Bill twelve fifty seven, the age of verification for websites containing obscenity bill. Uh, and as we finished, you were heading to that committee hearing, possibly testifying. Can you tell us how it went? How'd it go? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I did testify in favor of that bill. And for our listeners who aren't familiar with it, uh, what this bill does, it's called House Bill 1257. And it would require websites that are in the regular business of distributing material harmful to minors, i.e. obscenity, hardcore pornography, uh, those websites have to implement a an accurate and reliable age verification system to make sure that minors can't gain access uh, to that material. And, of course, you know, this should be common sense. We have rules uh, uh, prohibiting minors from uh, purchasing tobacco, uh, alcohol, entering casinos, et cetera, et cetera, and yet when it comes to the Internet, we've just had this attitude of, well, it's just a wild, wild west. You know, it's, it's an open forum. We can't do anything to protect our young people. But the reality is that nowadays we do have the technology, reliable technology, that can be used and, and should be used. And so this bill, House Bill 1257, would require that. We're not the first state to try this. There's actually eight other states uh, that have now passed these laws, and uh, hopefully South Dakota will become the ninth here very soon. But anyway, to get back to your question about what happened, uh, it was before the House Judiciary Committee last week, and it passed. It was a cliffhanger vote, Jock. It passed 13 to 0. Uh, wow. <laughs> now That was now close. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was a nail biter. It was a nail biter. There was a lot of there was a lot of compelling testimony in favor of the bill. The opposition testimony was was pretty weak, uh, and so it was very gratifying to have that support. Uh, however, <laughs> we are not going to feel overconfident because of that result. Because subsequent to that committee hearing, we now have a new opponent of the bill. Are you ready for this? Ready. The motion the Motion Picture Association of America, the MPAA, and also uh, this group, kind of a, a front group called the Media Coalition, which represents Hollywood and a lot of other uh, people in the entertainment industry. They are coming out in opposition to the bill. We may also get some opponents from big tech, uh, social media outlets. Uh, so even though it was gratifying to win that first step, um, we're going to there's going to be a dogfight uh, on this one, and uh, it's going on to the House floor this afternoon. Um, so uh, it's not too late for your listeners to contact their representatives. If, if all those who are in South Dakota in the listening audience uh, reach out to your uh, your House members, your state representatives, and ask them to support House Bill 1257. It's on the House floor this afternoon. Okay, well, what is the, maybe tell us a little more, like, what is the MPA, maybe you don't know yet, but what, what are they, like, we, I know part of uh, politics and part of laws is sort of uh, nuances on words, but um, is, it, is there a specific focus that legislators are looking at in terms of, um, you know, this word obscenity or obscene websites? 
Sure. Well, yeah, one of the issues that always comes up when you have these types of bills is you'll have people say, oh, it violates the First Amendment, be, and, and, and pretty soon people will be banning uh, depictions of uh, Michelangelo's sculpture David. You know, that, that's kind of the argument that gets trotted out. And here's, here's the deal. The U.S. Supreme Court has looked at this issue and has declared that obscenity is not protected by the First Amendment. In fact, the landmark case on this is a case called Miller versus California, which was handed down in 1973. And this is a direct quote from the Supreme Court. They, they said, to equate the free and robust exchange of ideas and political debate with commercial exploitation of obscene material demeans the grand conception of the First Amendment and its high purposes in the historic struggle for freedom. It is a misuse of the great guarantees of free speech and free press. Uh, and End of quote. I mean, I, I couldn't say it better myself, is that it, it, this, this idea that we can't distinguish between, you know, grotesque, um, you know, websites that depict, you know, sadomasochism and, and strangling and all of these just abhorrent behaviors that, that we can't distinguish that from a free and robust political discussion. I think that's an insult to the American people, and the Supreme Court has recognized that, that yes, you can draw a line there, and we have to draw a line there. How does that work? Uh, so if uh, House Bill 1257 gets passed, what does that mean? You say there are other states who have passed this. How, does that require, you know, websites to implement this uh, just in the state of South Dakota? Or like, what does that look like? Yeah, it 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 would it would require it to be implemented in in South Dakota, and so. Um, when we look at those other states, um, in some cases, what we've seen, uh, for example, Montana and North Carolina recently passed these laws, and Pornhub, which is one of the largest online purveyors of obscenity, um, they chose to block access to their website. They basically did a geofence around uh, those states of Montana, North Carolina, and they prohibited anybody from accessing their website, not just minors. And they're, they certainly not, they're not required to do that, but we think that they're doing this as a political stunt um, rather than go to the trouble of, of implementing proven age verification technologies. They're just choosing to block access uh, to their site for everybody because I think what they're hoping is that that will generate a political backlash uh, to try to push back against these laws. So um, it's, it's, they can comply with the law. They have the technology to do it. But a lot of them are simply choosing to shut down access completely rather than comply with this new standard. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that explanation. Another bill we are keeping an eye on is Senate Bill 72, the Partners on Education Bill. Is that one we want to pass? Yes, absolutely. So this is a bill that uh, has been endorsed by the South Dakota Catholic Conference. Uh, basically, in South Dakota, we have this program called Partners in Education Tax Credit Program. Uh, it, put it in real simple terms, insurance companies that owe taxes to the state uh, can get a tax credit where they're basically able to write off 
some of their taxes that they owe to the state of South Dakota if they donate to what's called a scholarship granting organization. We, we, we call it SGO for short, scholarship granting organization. And the scholarship granting organization we have in South Dakota is called South Dakota Partners in Education, and it provides scholarships to uh, students from lower-income families that allow them to attend non-public schools. Right now, the program is capped at 3.5 million, um, and this bill, Senate Bill 72, would raise that cap to $5 million. And importantly, this is not a government handout. It's not a government appropriation. It's a voluntary contribution from insurance companies, but it, it helps promote that contribution by increasing the amount of tax credit that they're available to get. There's about 45 schools that participate uh, in the program. Um, I don't know exactly how many of those are, are Catholic, but I, I, it's my understanding, I believe, that every sizable Catholic school in the state of South Dakota has many families that are able to send their, their young people to that school because of the assistance that they're able to get through this program. So it's a great program. It actually saves the state money because every one of these students that's in the private school, if they were not able to afford that and actually had to be in the public school, the amount of money that the state would have to pay for their public school education is significantly greater, like two or three times the cost of the scholarship that they're actually getting that helps them afford to go to that private school. So it's a win-win. It's a win for Catholic schools. It's a win for the state's budget. Um, and we're hopeful that we can get that through. Um, it has passed the Senate, but it's kind of stuck in the House now. So again, we could really use some help in having people contact their representatives and ask them to support Senate Bill 72 for helping the Partners in Education program. I listened to a little bit of the back and forth maybe um, a few weeks ago when we last had you on, Michael, and, and you know, there's lots of conversations about what that money could be used for and, um, you know, even people who maybe support private education, um, it's all about money. And so uh, where, do, where do our listeners, where can our listeners find out more information about all of these things that we've been talking about and get information from you um, on how to, how to support um, things that are going to help our community, help our families. Yeah, so the best way is to go to our website. It's kind of long, but it's easy to remember. It's just SD, as in South Dakota, CatholicConference.org. SDCatholicConference.org, and you'll see a button there that says 2024 Legislative Session. And click on that, and you can get all the updates on the bills that we're following. Fantastic. Michael, thank you very much again. And uh, yes, we'll be storming uh, heaven and our uh, House representatives today to, uh, to encourage those things that would be good for uh, the people of South Dakota. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Uh, those of you joining on, uh, us for Real Presence Live, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back after the break with one more fantastic guest. Join us shortly. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. St. John Paul II called for a new evangelization, an act of love meant to reintroduce all the faithful to the love of Jesus Christ. This act of love has never been more urgent. 
In his work, The Judgment of Nations, historian Richard Dawson notes, The hope of the world rests in the last resort on the existence of a spiritual nucleus of believers who are bearers of the seed of unity. If we have faith in the power of the Spirit, we must believe that even these evils can be conquered. For the powers of the world are blind powers which are working in the dark. They are powerless against that Spirit who is the Lord and giver of life, and against those higher powers of spiritual understanding and love which are the essential gifts of the Holy Spirit. The battle for the world is first and foremost spiritual. Are you ready for battle today? Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. This is Father Bo Braun from the Diocese of Duluth. It's my second year anniversary as a priest today, so I figured it's a good time to talk a little bit about priesthood and my favorite part about being a priest. You know, it's intense because you just think about where the priest stands. The priest stands, he stands in the place of Jesus Christ. He stands in between the people and God. And, uh... That place is a, there's an intensity of life and there's an intensity of love there. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about the, I think the best times as a priest are those moments where God lets you feel that intensity. You know, so the Mass, I would say, is the, is the highest point, obviously, because in the Mass, it's the, the most intense prayer from the Son to the Father, and I'm caught up in the middle of that. But yet, I, I give all of that love then to the people. Uh, all through my my ordinary and, and very little heart. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. 